Hello and welcome to According to John. Today, today's question is, can man live without God? Ooh, we got a good Bible study coming and uh, we're going to be a blessing. I think so. Can man live without God? is a question that uh, we are going to answer probably way more in depth than it needs to be answered. But boy, when we're done, you will clearly understand uh, this whole question. You know, Jesus says, I am come to give you life. I think that's eternal life and life more abundantly. abundantly. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about all that. But, um, you know, I remember one of the great questions you read in the Bible is people were observing and you see it a lot in the Psalms. Why do why do the heathen get by and they they make wealth and they're yeah because it seems unfair doesn't it yeah this is a question that arises through the scriptures yeah yeah it seems real unfair why is it that the unsaved seem to do so much better than the saved as a whole Sometimes, yeah. As a whole. Jesus even said sometimes the children of this world are wiser than those of the children of light. So can a man live without God? It's a question. It's like, yep, Mm -hmm. and nope. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) So there we go. It was great to be with you today. God bless. (laughs) Uh, Johnny's got some scripture. We're going to go a little bit deeper. Uh, hey, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And today we answer the question, can man live without God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Father, ever so thankful and grateful uh, that you don't want us to live without you. Amen. Father, that you desire us and you want us to be a part of your existence, a part of your future, a part of your home. And so, Father, as we look into your word, as we look into this to answer the question, can we live without you? Lord, we ask that you give Duke and I the uh, clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Father, give all of us clarity of understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, can man live without God? And so contrary to the claims of atheists and agnostics, man cannot live without God. Now, you said, yep, and nope, and this is where we have to clarify. Yes, we do. Man, I'll, I'll let you do that, John. You and the scriptures. I'll just jump in here Okay, have fun. So here we go. Man can have a mortal existence without acknowledging God. Mm-hmm. We, we can do this. We I mean, see it everywhere. We see it everywhere, but not without the fact of God. Yeah, and Johnny's going to explain this to you so clearly. Because when you showed, when I saw that at first, I'm like, I'm not getting this. So if you're not getting it, neither did I, but hold on. Yeah, there you go. So, so what we have is as the creator, God originated human life. Uh, and that is to say that man can exist apart from God is to say that uh, a watch can exist without a watchmaker. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it cannot happen. And so now you don't, you can live without acknowledging that God created you, 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 you can do that. It it doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't mean that you can exist without God. As a matter of fact, we owe our being to God because we're made in his image, Genesis 1 27. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. And then we see that our existence depends on God, um, whether we acknowledge his existence or not, because 
he is the sustainer. Yeah, the physical universe. Uh, this first coming up in Colossians. Uh, I've used it before, but never really in this context. It's uh, it's really really good. It's coming in a moment. I'm yeah, gonna, right. I'm gonna run ahead. Don't jump ahead. I right? want to, but I'm not going to, John. So as the sustainer, God continuously confers life. Look here in Psalm 104:10 through 32. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read the majority. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. And and if you notice in this, he's, is, he waters the hills, he waters the mountains. Have you ever went up on top of the mountain and there's a flowing river and you're like, we're at the top of the mountain. How can there be a flowing river at the top? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, like God does. There's springs. The, People don't realize there's springs come out even up at the top of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, the, uh, any rate, God is so awesome the way he does this, right? He's engaged with his creation. He That's is. so amazing. I was on a high, I was up 18,000 feet in the Alps, or not the Alps, the Andes Mountains in Bolivia, heading up the Inca ruins at Incayada, and a storm came in below us, a lightning storm. I was up above the storm watching it rain, and lightning can go sideways as well as down. Right. It was pretty amazing, and it, I remember just being stopped. I was on a bicycle at 18,000 feet on this road, and I watched the storm come down below me. It was probably about 1,000 foot below us and saw a lightning storm from the top side. Right. And That's it was, crazy. It was it was like yeah. God is inhabiting. There was an overwhelming sense of God's presence and God's power, and it was a little scary. Right. Just a little bit scary. Well, and he goes on here, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works, your being God. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, uh, and bread which strengthens man's heart. Verse 16, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds make their nest. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness, and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. Uh, The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather gather together and lie down in their dens. I mean, and then in 23, man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works and wisdom. You have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. It goes on in 25. It talks, because literally this, this whole passage talks about all of existence operates under God's hand. Mm-hmm. He inhabits his creation uh, and everything has a purpose. That's what I get screaming out of that passage. Purpose, purpose, purpose. And God gets glory in everything as it fulfills its purpose. But these other things that he created, they just, just do their purpose. Man, on the other hand, he gives us a choice. We can right. say yes right. to God's purpose or we can say no to God's purpose. And I think the message of Scripture is look what happens to those mm-hmm. That say no, and look what happens to those who say yes. Well, if we jump down to verse 25, right, or we'll go to 28, um, what you give them, they gather in, you open your hand, they are filled with good. 
Verse 29, you hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. And so what you see, especially in 29, you hide your face, they are troubled. If God is not there, we are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. God controls life and death. Now, some people get angry at God because he takes away some too young, if you will. And I don't think, uh, uh, well, here's what we know is that, God is a sustainer of life, and God continuously works in this earth. He didn't create it and then leave it alone like some believe, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he continuously works, and he has the ability. So you you don't have to accept the knowledge of this, so therefore uh, that's your no, right? Uh, when we go into the question, can man live without God? Uh, sure, you don't, you don't, you do not have to acknowledge God in all of this, but it doesn't change the fact that He is active in all this. Well, I lived without Him for eighteen and a half years, and uh, didn't fare so sumptuously. Right, <laughs> <laughs> got off track a bit. Yeah, John fourteen six says that Jesus is life. Uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we know he's life. All creation is held together by the power of Christ, Colossians 1.17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so here we have Jesus that literally is over everything and everything exists because of him. Yeah, I've had a fellow who was a bit of a Greek scholar explain this passage to me and I loved it how he said it. He, he's talking by him all things consist. He said that's at the molecular level, at the atomic level. You know, science has figured out so many things in different parts of an atom and and the electrons and neutron and all that, and they can they can observe it and we can see it, uh, we can amplify and, but we can't figure out what holds it together. And when those atoms decide to come apart, woohoo! You wouldn't want even one atom on the tip of your nose to right. let go, or you would be blown to smithereens. Such well, incredible and- power, and they do not know what keeps it together and here's our answer right well and here how about this this is what i've always been befuddled about okay um how is it that your heart keeps beating when there's really no energy source for it to keep beating Mm mm-hmm I mean, we can say, okay, we eat food. Well, food sustains the body, but what is it that keeps that heart? Something kind of electrical, but where does the electricity come from? And we're not plugged in, and yet it's... uh, Yeah, because if you touch electricity, it's going to stop your heart. (laughs) Or start it up or stop it, and it's, it's... and it's, and it's, it's the fact mystery. that it's the fact that God breathed life into us, that power into us. So therefore, He sustains the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's intriguing at the at the scientific level. And and they have done all these tests that uh, 
prove that prove we have all of our, of our DNA. We have all the existence of dirt. <laughs> well, that takes me back to that scripture in Genesis two. He formed us from the dust of the ground mm-hmm. and breathed into our nostrils, the breath of life right. and man became a living right. soul. So therefore everyone that exists and that's living is because of God's breath of life on them. And God wants us to pull us into the knowledge of himself. Yeah. To understand all of this. And our, and it's the ultimate man to understand God, the ultimate theology, the study of God. And, uh, but our fallen nature wants to, through selfishness, wants to just kind of deny the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Push it away. Mm -hmm. And God's like, you're, Right. pushing me away. Right. You know, it's like a, a husband that would push away his wife and his kids. Like, why would you do right. that? Right. You're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, pull him in. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, but that goes back to, you can live without the knowledge of God, but you cannot exist without the fact of God. Yeah, I, I like that phraseology. I'm not sure I completely understand it, but I sure do believe yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, we can't exist without the fact, uh, uh, we can exist without the knowledge of God, but we cannot exist without the fact that God works in our life. You can yeah. deny it, but you can't exist. You can't live without it. Yeah. Amen. So the reality is we can live without the favor of God, but we can't not, we cannot exist without God's power to sustain us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have a passage here coming as it were the rain falls on the head, both Matthew five forty five, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So the, really the truth is the only reason the unjust is existing is because of the just. Mm-hmm. That's it. You, they but they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> right, right. But, but, the, but the truth yeah, is yeah, yeah. that they, they exist and they benefit from Christians. Mm-hmm. And when Christians are gone, the benefit's going to be gone and you have tribulation. Yeah. And think about that. The minute, the minute, the, the influence of God is removed. Second Thessalonians chapter two, he who now letteth or restraineth, hold the back, will, will, will let until he, the Holy spirit be taken out of the way. And then that wicked will be revealed. Yep. And so there is the, you know, the church, uh, nothing like the local church when it's working right we're salt we're light and people that love darkness rather than light we're not popular we're not politically correct but we're still present right and we we give them something to hate (laughs) right they hate the they hate our biblical morality they hate uh our absolute truths and I, i think the reason they hate it is because we prove that they are not their own God. Like we constantly keep it in their face that you are not self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And that just gets frustrating because that tells them they're wrong. When stop up their ears. No, <laughs> don't tell us that. Right? Yeah. Uh, so to think that man can live without God is to suppose that a flower can continue to live without light or that a rose can live without water yeah. is just not possible to live without God. Now you can live denying him, but you can't live without his permission. Mm-hmm. 
the sovereignty of of an omnipotent, omniscient, and yeah. holy God. Right. Who thankfully, when he introduces himself, he introduces himself as a God of love. Yeah. And here's the other thing. As the Savior, God gives eternal life to those who believe, right? Uh, so in Christ is life, and now this is that eternal life that only those who have the knowledge of God, meaning that they believe what his word says, they believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, um, they get eternal life, John 1, 4. And, uh, in him was life, Jesus, and the life was the light of of men. And so we see that God gives eternal life. And when we believe that and accept that, that's the knowledge. Uh, now we, now we have a greater life, not only on earth, but we get, we have life everlasting. And then those who deny obviously don't, right? So you can live without the knowledge of God, but again, you cannot live without the fact of God. And Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Look here in John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so we just see God's favor on life. Now, that being said, and we're going to talk about this because I'm jumping ahead and I shouldn't do it. Uh, but why is it that the unsaved seem to live a much uh, richer in material wise ways than the saved, right? It seems to be. Uh, but look, man, and we're going to, we'll talk about that here in a minute, but man, uh, for man to truly live, he must know Christ. And this truly live is not only to live in eternity, uh, but is to truly live on earth being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I throw this story in a high school. One of my, Dearest friends in high school, I won't call his name. Well, one second. You want to hold on. Yeah, because I want you to share that one on this next point, okay. right? So in John 17, 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we see the Savior, we see God gives life, and then he gives this eternal life, that which the physical uh, life and the person that doesn't believe cannot have. So without God, man has physical life only. And God warned Adam and Eve, Genesis 2, 17, that they would surely die. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat, you shall surely die. That was that spiritual death, not the physical death. And so they disobeyed God. They died spiritually. And uh, in this death, right, um, that was the separation from God that they knew, communion. Kicked out of the garden. Yeah. Is a spirit, spiritual life, right? Uh, the freedom to enjoy God, the innocence and purity uh, that was in their soul, all that was gone. Yeah, I heard in, in theology class and in Bible college, I forget it, that the intellect was darkened, the emotions were perverted, the will is made rebellious, and that fall and that fallen man, he separated from God, but God still loved him and made provision to bring him 
back and restore that life that he had lost. Which shows that God still loved him because he gave him an opportunity to return. Sin separated him, but God had a plan even to for that sin to be paid for, to be uh, atoned for, to bring man back, give him a second chance. Yeah, so spiritually speaking, Adam was cursed with a completely carnal existence, Mm -hmm. right? And what God intended to go from dust to glory now was to go from dust to dust. Yeah, that's powerful. Say that again, John. It's very powerful. Because here's the thing, God, when God created Adam and Eve, it was from the dust of the ground, Mm -hmm. or Adam was from the dust of the ground. And God's like, I want you in my glory. But because of Adam's sin, he took that dust to glory and made it dust to dust. Yeah, that's what sin does. I think, what do you think, God? Do you think John deserves a point for that? <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a from, point. From, from dust to glory, and then sin mm-hmm. takes us from dust to dust. But God had a plan to well, redeem us and bring us back. Yeah, and that's the whole thing when we talked about he's our Savior because God's like, hey, listen, I made you go from dust to glory. You were never supposed to leave my glory. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because of sin, you were cast out of my glory. And now all of humanity is going to go from dust to dust. Unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says we don't die that second death, Mm -hmm. that now we go from dust to glory. Hallelujah. (laughs) And for all those who live this carnal life, you're, you're just going to go from dust to dust, but that dust doesn't, does not mean that you go back to nothing. It literally means that you go back without God. You die without God. That dust to dust means your body, your, your existence is going to go back to the dust and your spirit or your soul, because you don't acknowledge God will exist without God forever and ever, which is hell. Mm-hmm. And so, so we see this whole process of, of can man live without God? Uh, and the answer is yes and no. And you were about to share a story because um, when we look at this, um, uh, some who reject God live lives of diversion and fun. And like, like, there's a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11.25 that there is a certain measure of delight to be had in sin. It says this, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, these passing pleasures of sin. But they're unsustainable, and they're only temporary, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And yet you can still exist, like your friend. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, a scripture to launch this little story on Pastor John. Uh, Jesus said, what shall profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his own soul? So you sort of got life kind of without God and uh, without focus on God or worship of God or pursuance of God, but still God is sustained. So I have a friend who went to uh, high school with a great friend, great guy, great football player, went on to... Uh, play college football, uh, D1, uh, won a national championship uh, at the collegiate level, at the D2 level before he went up to uh, to D1. He was uh, drafted into the NFL, played two years for the Cowboys, two years for the Denver Broncos. 
great guy. He's, he's tall, handsome, articulate, kind, really nice guy. Uh, he, he didn't do the real stupid things like I did. You know, I was, I tried to corrupt him more, but he had enough standards not to go everywhere that I tried to take him. And he was just a great guy. You all just, you just knew that, uh, that he would, he would do well in life and his people skills. And he, w- he was just a neat guy. And in life w- unfolded that way after an NFL career, he got into some businesses and they all went well. And then he, he got into a timber frame business. Uh, the Amish country, uh, is about a half hour east of where we grew up in Ohio. And so we were right on the edge of Amish country and he started a timber frame business. He's built homes for like Steven Spielberg and all over North America, some South America, Central America, big multi, multi million dollar homes. And he's just a gifted guy, a very humble, uh, kind guy married a beautiful woman uh they're still married as far as i know he's they've had purity in their marriage they never had children i don't know why he's never spoken about it but um he's he's kind of gained the whole world and i asked him i said well what were some of the projects you did with the timber frame he said well we did this one that was kind of uh (laughs) unusual i said what he goes have you ever heard of the ark project in kentucky (laughs) like you mean the ark ken ham and all that and uh back to genesis he goes yeah he goes I, I I built the ark. How cool is that? He built the ark. How many can say he built the ark? He he built the ark. My uh, Noah built one, and my friend Greg uh, he he built yeah. one too. But the difference is, here's the point, and he he's very humble about it. Right. He, and I said, you know, I've had Ken Ham speak in my church. I've I've been to the ark numerous times, and I, I say, Greg, you did a good job, man. That thing is amazing, and. And I said, he loved my dad. He and my dad were very close. And so I said, I'm going to quote my dad because when I quote my dad, it makes him feel good. I said, okay, Greggy, squint your eyes and look down the road. What do you see for his future? Because he's like one year behind me. I said, are you, you going to settle down somewhere and kind of, you know, kind of slow up a bit? He said, no. He goes, all I have is, is my projects. All I have is my projects, and I if I didn't have them, I, I don't know that I would have a reason to live. And I'm thinking, dude, I love you so much. You are so awesome. You're so gifted. You're, you're handsome, and you're kind, and you're benevolent. You have a beautiful wife, and you're a millionaire, and you've done this, and you've gone here. But he's empty. But he's empty, and he's so humble that he, 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 he doesn't fake it. He's right. And I, I just, I want to weave. I mean, Greg, Jesus loves you, man. Just give your heart to mm. Jesus. He'll, he'll fix that so fast. Yeah. And I don't know what has held him back, but I mean, he built the ark, man. And millions of, of mostly Christians, I'm sure, come to see that thing. And he built it. And yet there's still an emptiness. I just think of Solomon. Uh, yeah, I think you got those verses. Coming I do. Here. Sure. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll shut up. Let's let Solomon explain it. Well, you know, sooner or later, uh, the hedonist or the, pleasure seeker uh like the prodigal son in the parable finds worldly pleasure yeah. is unsustainable and in luke 15 13 through 15 and and he even said this is all i got but eventually he gave everything but but eventually he's not even going to have that because age will take it away or ability or uh um economy i mean like dude inflation can take it away in a heartbeat 
Uh, Luke 15, 13 through 15. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And so here he had all of this stuff, but because of economy... They had lots of money and lots of friends. The money ran out and his friends were gone. Yeah. <laughs> and so here you have Greg who says, this is all I got. But if economy stops him from having that, like, I mean, where's there's things out of, out of his control, then he's left with even more nothing. Yeah. Having earned it the hard way and then have it taken away by corrupt government's got to be a real bummer. Right. Better, and you know, better and, not to have had it at all than somebody to take it. Oh my goodness, right? And listen, not everyone who rejects God uh, as as the empty pleasure seeker or the one who who's mixed up in junk. There's some good moral people, uh, some unsaved people who have been disciplined. They have lived sober lives, good lives, happy and fulfilled lives. But but here's the difference: they lived happy lives, mm-hmm. not joy filled lives. And the reason you can say that is because if they're unsaved, happiness comes from happenings. Joy only comes from the Lord, the Bible says. Happiness comes and it goes. Joy comes and it stays. Stays. Well, because happiness is completely dependent upon happenings. Mm -hmm. And so if happenings aren't happening, you're left empty. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. It's all I got. I got to stay busy. And when that's gone, you're left empty. And, and that's the whole thing. But with joy, your world can be falling around, uh, all around. You can be falling, uh, falling and crashing. And yet you can still have joy and a smile as unexplainable. Why? Because of the knowledge of God. Yeah. You know, one of the most famous rock and roll songs of all time by the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction and i tried and i tried, <laughs> tried. and i tried <laughs> but i couldn't i can't get no satisfaction and that's yeah. what jesus gives he right. puts the magic in those moments jesus uh takes that little rutabaga mm-hmm. i grew in my garden and i make it into a soup and i sit there and eat and i feel like a multi-millionaire right but i joy but, the joy of the lord and you know here's the thing uh, when you when you look at everything, you you understand right that uh, the Bible presents certain moral principles that are going to benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just are. If you live this way, there's there is a moral principle or what we call the laws of the universe, <laughs> the laws that govern the universe. You're right, right, yeah. and and so. There, you know, people are like, well, I don't have these problems. I've never had this problem. I've always lived a good life and you've been moral and that's amen and amen. But now what's going to happen is your morality going to get you to heaven or is your relationship with Jesus Christ going to get you to heaven? And I will tell you this, your morality begins and ends with you. Done. Mm -hmm. It's only a life through Jesus Christ that gets you to heaven. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said that to Nicodemus, who was wealthy, who was respected, who was educated, who seemed to have a good family. He kind of had it all, but he had nothing until he made that commitment to Christ. Right, because the truth is, listen, getting through this life is no guarantee that we're ready for the afterlife. Amen. There's just no guarantee unless you're in Jesus Christ. Without man... 
or, or without God, man is unfulfilled even in his mortal life because there's always that empty spot, that hole that only God can fill. And if we don't fill him with God, you're constantly trying to fill that empty hole with something. And you see entertainers who make it all the way to the top. And what do they tell you that they ha- they found there? Nothing. Yeah, emptiness. Solomon called it vanity and vexation of spirit. Yeah, you know, well, so here's the thing, because man is restless, right? Man is constantly restless. Why? Because he's got no peace with God. And so that just leaves his soul trying to fill that, that hole in his heart with something. And Solomon tried, uh, construction. He tried gardens and uh, performing arts and all those things that people pursue. And they made him happy for a a moment. A moment. And then he said, all his vanity and vexation of spirit. Well, and this leads to a quote that, uh, the person of pleasure or pleasures, uh, uh, the person of pleasure for pleasure's sake is a sign of inner turmoil. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is because you are not content with yourself, so you are on a constant drive or push to find that which brings contentment. Mm-hmm. And that's what Solomon did. And he failed, and he failed, and he failed. At everything, right? He gave his... And he pers- was wise. He was intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he was missing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, and here's the thing too: King Solomon had more money than anyone at that time, and he had saying. he had everything at his disposal. Thousand women, and more if he wanted. Yeah, and yet there were no gold, no money, no women, no events, no nothing that gave him peace. Nothing. And matter of fact, it also, it, it not only did none of that give him peace, it, it made him feel worse. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's saying, Solomon, you're the man, you're right. the dude, you right, got right, everything. Right. Everything you touch turns to gold. You rock, you're awesome. He's like, no, I stink. Well, because here's the thing, he, uh, the more he tried and the less fulfilled he became, the more he realized that there was no there was no fulfillment in things. And so as with each passing thing that he's trying, he's coming up empty and he's got to be going, what's next? What, yeah, if, yeah. What's next? What's ne- like, I've tried this, nothing, nothing, nothing. Like I tried this, nothing. what's next? And then finally, uh, and he also discovers this. Um, he discovers that knowledge in and of itself is futile. In Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 18, he says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart was understood. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is grasping for the wind, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Because as you go, you realize the world has nothing to offer. Can't fulfill 
Can't fulfill the dream. You can't. And, Come and up empty. And he comes to the conclusion, ultimately, that uh, it is God, right? Because he found that pleasure and wealth are futile. You see that in Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. He sees that materialism is folly. That's Ecclesiastes 2, 12 through 23. And that riches are fleeting. And that's in Ecclesiastes 6. So he takes us down this road of ever. And, and by the way, if there was ever anyone that could afford anything, it was King Solomon. Yeah. Because not only could he afford it, but he had the uh, if he didn't have the money, he had the power to command it. Yeah. So he was in a he was in a very unique position to do and have anything his heart desired because nobody could tell the king no. I did a podcast on Solomon and call it the wisest man's hardest lesson. Mm. He was always missing kind of the magic of the moment. And he finally, in the end, seemed to have landed on faith. Yes. And all along the way, he had a knowledge of God and uh, an awareness of God. And uh, it was kind of on the edges of, of, of godly things. I mean, he built a tabard of the temple in Jerusalem. So he wasn't a man that hated God. He was just a man that just got off base. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting God be his uh, fulfillment, he, he searched for it and everything else. And everything else, and yeah. came up empty. But in the end, he said, there's no greater thing than a man should eat and drink uh, and enjoy the good of his labor. This I finally found is a gift of God. God gives us the gift. And that's Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 13. He actually he says the same thing four times mm-hmm. in the book. Four times he finally gets it. Right. That God can put the magic in the moment. And when he turned his focus back on the Lord and worship, then all of these things, they didn't really mean anything. But right. now, right. thank you for the riches, but I, I don't, I, I'm rich in faith. Well, and, and that's where he lands in Ecclesiastes Finally, 12. yeah. And he realized the only wise way to live is to fear God in faith. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14 says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. <laughs> He's like, here we go. I'm going to summarize this for you. It wasn't you. as complicated as I made it out to be. <laughs> right. Here we go. You ready for the profound answer? About five or six words. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. That's six words. I mean, fear God and keep his commandments. Right. There you go. Yeah, and because that's what it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. Six words. The thing you look back on, Solomon, he got off to a great start. He got diverted into all this other stuff, came up empty, 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 empty. And um, in the end, you know, as he was pursuing, you know, the construction, the comedy, he did some alcohol there for a little while. That didn't work. And and he tried everything. And the gardens and the performing arts. And uh, that was, there's nothing wrong with that. But then he got into multiplication of wives (laughs) and made an absolute fool of himself. He wrecked his world. He did. Nobody really respected Solomon in the end. At the beginning of his campaign, everybody was happy. Queen of Sheba said, your servants are happy. But at the end, they weren't happy. And, uh, well, because listen, if the leader is miserable, he's going to make all the followers miserable. Yeah, and as that's well. exactly what happened. But I'm thankful that Solomon ultimately did because he got and, crazy in his thinking. Yeah, and therefore he was driving everyone else crazy because they were at his beck and call. And he just pressed, pushed the the pedal to the metal harder. Right. And when it was on that treadmill, so that just it just totally blew up there towards right. the end, and he finally got it. 
Well, because he even says here, fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. Then he said, in other words, this is all you have. This is man's all. This is everything that, that is available to man. Then he says in 14, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing that people think they've gotten away with, mm-hmm. whether good or evil. And so all we have is to fear God and keep his commandments because everything else is going to be judged and will be con- condemned for it. Here's another concluding verse that I think pulls us all together, kind of like Solomon did there in a few words. Godliness with contentment, contentment is, is great, great gain. Okay. Six more words. I have a quick illustration. When we were first starting our church, God brought this family to us, and uh, they were poor. He had been injured on disability. Materially, they didn't have much. They were rich in faith. And his, his, his name was Joe. His grandkids uh, called him Joe Pie, so we all called him Joe Pie. And he was kind of handicapped a little bit. He could walk. His hands were kind of crippled up. But this guy would fix anything, build anything, and he loved to fish. And he used to take me fishing. We'd go down and rent a boat down on the Mohawk River for $5. He had this old motor that I think it used a <laughs> gallon of gas and two gallons of oil. And we'd go fishing. He knew that river. And we'd go out fishing. And I'm telling you, we would come back with a boatload of fish. Yeah, so, he did, so he didn't go fishing. He went catching. He went catching. Yeah. <laughs> he went catching. We got this crummy little boat, this motor that sputters and spits. And we don't have the greatest greatest uh-huh. gear, but we had, we had a boatload of fish. So we're out there fishing, and this fat cat guy comes up in his major bass boat, $50,000 boat, fish finders. He's got everything, man. And, you know, what do fishermen say? How you doing? Got anything? And I'd like, I'd barely be able to lift up these two stringers full of fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a few, you know, we got probably like 50 pounds of fish here. It was just awesome. And the, and the guys in the $50,000 boat looks, you know what he's got? He's got one, two, you know, nothing. He's <laughs> like he he was so bad to ditch that motor, that big old bass boat. He wanted to jump the, on that little motorboat. He wanted to jump that little motorboat because we Joe Pa knew how to catch fish, and I just think of that. Joe Pa was godly yeah. and he yeah. had contentment. He had a crappy little boat, a crappy little engine, but we had a boatload of fish. Right, and that's uh, dude. I think that's a perfect example. Yeah, and this world's not our home. Joe Paz will be yeah. rich in eternity. I yeah. yeah. uh, can't wait for you to meet him, John. You'll love that guy. He well, was a real deal. And that's why Jesus says there's more to life than f- the physical dimension. Yeah, you know, just comes to me. Joe Pa was a Viet, or he was a Korean War veteran, and uh, we were out fishing one night up on on Sacandaga Lake, and we overnighted, and he told a story. He had never spoke before, but he felt peace with me and this other friend that was our neighbor. And he opened up and told the war stories. Mm-hmm. Spoke. He had held him in for forty years, and I was the one privileged uh, to, to hear him tell his story. Yeah. And here's a man that uh, had, he was injured, crippled, war, saw death, and oh my! And yet he he landed contentedly at the feet of Jesus. He never had much in this world, but he'll have it all in eternity. Amen. And he brought other people to Christ. So I see people at the top with nothing. I see people on the bottom with everything. Yeah. yeah. Or it seems like everything, even though they don't have the physical. But that's what Matthew 4, 4 is talking about. Jesus says this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, Mm -hmm. but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what he's really saying is um, man shall not live by the physical, but by the spiritual. 
And I think that's where we get or where people get hung up, right? Because they are thinking that the, the physical is of God mm-hmm. and it's the blessings of God. And if we're not careful, we have a $50,000 boat and catch nothing. Uh, but if we're right with God, we have a little motorboat that smokes going down the river, but we come back with uh, completely satisfied. I'd rather go fishing with Joe Pa. Right? <laughs> right? Listen, we can only find life and fulfillment when we acknowledge God. Without God, man's destiny is hell. Uh, we find that in Luke 16, 19 through 31. It goes on. I'm not going to go in and read this, but if you go in and read it, what you will find is that the rich man had everything and he went to hell. The poor man man Lazarus had nothing and he went to heaven and it's not because one was rich and one was poor it's because one gave his life to God and the other didn't and so you can have this this world of wealth but I will tell you that the short duration of our earthly existence pales in comparison to the permanent state of our souls mm-hmm. and so God has set uh, a sense of eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And so he has put this sense of eternity uh, of, of existence in us. That's why everyone's constantly seeking a higher power. The problem is they want to be their own gods and seek it on their own level. Yeah. I had this fleshed out at my 50th year reunion a couple of months ago. Our little class of 71 students hosted the class of 70, 71. We were 72 and 73. Four groups, we got together. And we all knew everybody from the thing. And, and you know, the thing, God put eternity in our hearts. We come back together. It's amazing. It's the Bible Belt there in Ohio. And I'm telling you, 70% of the people there were believers. I guess maybe a lot of the unbelievers that could have been there just didn't choose to be there. But 70% of the people love Jesus. And we were reconnecting after 50, 51, 52 years. And now we're not only are we reconnecting as students together at Lucas School, but now we're reconnecting as brothers and sisters in Christ. Three of us were pastors, and we love one another. And they kind of leaned in on the pastors. Uh, 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 Steve Grover did the blessing, and he was so articulate, and he welcomed everybody. And it was such a contrast. Those who did not have Christ were off to the side, tipping their, their beer, yeah. like, look at me, I'm cool. Look, I got a beer, you know, look how cool I am. And they were, they were cynical and they were, they aged, they looked 10 years older mm. than they were. And there was a cynicism and dryness and what am I doing here? Is this Meanwhile, the save was having a party. We were having <laughs> a party without booze, right? We were high in Jesus mm-hmm. and, uh, man, it was Right. What a contrast. And I think it illustrates this Bible study. Mm-hmm. You can have everything and have nothing, or you can have nothing and have everything. We see that in the little story right. of Nam and the leper. He had everything. He was a captain of the army, but he had nothing. He had he was nothing. A leper. And the little maid, she had nothing. She was a slave. And she had everything. And she had everything. The irony of it all. Can man live without yeah. God? Yes. Yes. And no. Yeah. You can live without the knowledge of God, but you cannot live without the fact of God. 
And when you cash in on the rest, man, that contentment comes. With great gain. It was great gain. Ooh, this is good, Johnny. Right. Thank you for letting me be your partner here. Hey, no, thank you for joining oh, me, man. man. Right? It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun studying together. Uh, Word of God. Hope yeah. we're a blessing to y'all. We love you. And thanks for tuning us in. Amen. Hey, thank you. Uh, hopefully this has helped. If it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And understand, you can live life without the knowledge of God, but you cannot live without the hand of God. Guys, until next time, God bless.